Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. There's something unique about pheasant season in South Dakota. It's the plains and the people. The action and relaxing. It's black coffee in the morning and colder drinks when the day's done. South Dakota hunts are doing what you love most with the people you love best. Out here in the finest pheasant habitat on planet Earth. Enter for a chance to win a South Dakota hunt for you and your crew. Plus free shields gear at HuntTheGreatestSD.com. Good morning. Today is September 12th, 2021. May your coffee be strong, your morning be relaxing, and your knowledge be broadened. I am Blois Olson, and welcome to the first edition of Sunday Brew here on News Talk 830 WCCO. We're going to dive into the news of the week. We're going to take a look ahead. But if you have thoughts, ideas, feel free to text them to 651-461-9226. Again, 651-461-9226. I'll take a look. We'll incorporate them into the future shows. Show's going to work like this. We're going to talk about uh, the issues of the week. We're going to look ahead to the next week. So we'll have the first cup with John Choi. The second cup is going to come with Jeremy Miller, the new Republican leader. And then we're going to have a little clatch at the end. And joining us this week will be Tori Van Oot from Axios and Ricardo Lopez from Minnesota's Reformer. It was obviously a busy week in Minnesota politics with Paul Gazelka entering the governor's race. No deal on the COVID emergency relief for workers, Amy Klobuchar's disclosure that she has been treated for breast cancer. And as we look ahead, DFLers will pick a new leader in the Senate on Monday. And Governor Walls is expected to try to find a deal on the COVID relief later next week. When we come back, the first cup with John Choi on News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Sunday Brew. I'm Blois Olson. And in our first cup today, we're going to talk to Ramsey County Attorney John Choi. Uh, he had a major announcement this week, and I want to dive a little deeper and understand the background, uh, who he made this announcement with, and frankly, understand where you're going with um, these decisions. Because public safety is not just a discussion point uh, for this election year. I think uh, it's going to be a discussion point in the next legislative session. There'll be a discussion point uh, next year. So uh, we've known each other a long time. Ramsey County Attorney John Choi, thanks for joining me. Hey, Blois. Thanks so much for uh, having me on your show and giving me an opportunity to speak directly uh, to the people of uh, our state. 
So you made a decision uh, in conjunction with uh, law enforcement, chiefs of police in Ramsey County, about um, reducing kind of traffic stops or searches during traffic stops that don't pose a risk to public safety. Give an idea, because I think the headlines and the social media buzz and, of course, the political point scoring, you know, it it kind of frames it in many different ways. If you're explaining this to somebody in a coffee shop in St. Paul, tell them, tell me how you are explaining it and tell me what you're trying to achieve with this new policy. Yeah, thank you, Blois. And I appreciate the ability to actually have a more thoughtful, in-depth conversation that I think sometimes social media, you know, can't provide. And I'll start with by saying this, that one of the things I don't like about um, uh, my community and the state that I live in right now is that I feel like we're so fractured and divided uh, and we want to win uh, arguments or want to stand in a, on a certain perspective. And I also think that um, the way that politics is right now in our community, it's uh, there's incentives to actually try to divide us as people, as Minnesotans. And so this opportunity, I think, is really important because I think in many ways um, we can have maybe visceral reactions to what we hear and see uh, when we get little tidbits and sound bites. Uh, but the work that we're trying to do, and I want to make this also clear, that it's in collaboration uh, with uh, the community that I serve in Ramsey County and with law enforcement. It's no secret that for the past year, uh, I have been talking with my law enforcement chiefs about the fact that I feel like as the prosecutor, that if I continue to prosecute cases that come to my desk, Uh, where they are the product of some low-level equipment violation, right? Because oftentimes the way that policing works out in uh, this state and across the country is that um, police will uh, uh, see something that seems kind of suspicious, but they have absolutely no reason to pull the person over. But if they can justify that pulling over of the motorist, because of some equipment violation, they will do that. And oftentimes they will seek maybe a further investigation. And sometimes they'll ask for consent to search the vehicle. Now they do that because in some instances, um, we know that um, sometimes like contraband. So the contraband would be like drugs or uh, somebody who should not be in possession of a handgun uh, is found, right? And I will be the first to admit that I used to believe that that type of policing had great public safety value because we could recover uh, the illegal contraband, right? And keep our community safe. Uh, But as we have learned more and more about the data and the research, and there's so much of it, if I encourage your listeners to just Google pretextual traffic stops, then they'll see that there's a plethora of uh, research and data that have been done throughout this country and even here in the state of Minnesota. But the truth is that this type of policing only yields uh, about 2% of actual recovery of some form of, uh, of contraband, right? And so the hit rate or the success rate is very, very small. Yeah. 
And so we've justified this uh, type of policing. And I want to also make it clear that it's legal. The Supreme Court has said that you can do this, right? But at the same time, this type of policing has led to massive disparity in my community. Uh, and it's no different across the country, but it's uh, four African-American motorists are four times more likely to be subject to this type of uh, police practice, right? And so what it has done is that over uh, generations and decades, it's breeded uh, lots of mistrust in police. Uh, it's uh, generated, I think, uh, no public safety value other than one of the isolated incidents where they might find something, but it's uh, not doing it. So if we think about it in the context of just like the common conversations that we're having, I mean, would we ever allow for a vaccination for COVID if uh, 2% of the subjects of the clinical trial had no side effects, but 98% had very serious side effects, right? And I yeah. think we haven't been listening to the perspectives of uh, those individuals and communities that have been subject to that. Right. So that's what we're trying to accomplish to say that this is now disfavored, that we want to figure out a different way. And I think there are different ways to do this. And so what we're trying to do is just get a different and better uh, version of what public safety should look like uh, in my community. And I also think it's a great model of collaboration, working with community philanthropy and community and police and prosecutor. Uh, to come up with uh, different solutions. John Choi is my guest here on Sunday Brew uh, during the first cup here. We're just, we're talking about his announcement this week uh, about traffic stops. You bring up contraband and guns. There's obviously a significant gun violence issue in your community and my community throughout the Twin Cities right now. And so, um, you know, give an example of, you know, so as I look at your policy memo here, it says, you know, if it's only about the product um, of a non-public safety tra traffic stop or the result of searching the vehicle is based solely on consent without any articulatable suspicion. So if you suspect somebody, let's just say somebody has a license plate violation or they're speeding and then, you know, the officer runs their plates and maybe there is a felony or maybe there is, um, you know, a warrant that that doesn't you're not excluding that being the opportunity to search. Correct. No, not at all. In fact, that would be very much outside of our policy. Uh, in the case that you ran a plate, it's a stolen car or the there are no plates on the car. Right. That's not included in our policy. What we're talking about are. Uh, one brake light out, not both, you know, one headlight out, not both. Uh, yeah. Talking about a cracked windshield that doesn't, um, isn't like so cracked that it's a public right. safety type of issue, right? Um, and we also have a public safety exception. So in case something does fall within this policy, yep. right? And I know that uh, the expectations of our community would be that we would charge that case. Yeah. Uh, we will. Uh, and so every good rule needs to have uh, an exception. And then more importantly, um, the police are with me on this. The largest jurisdiction in my community, the second largest jurisdiction is already has their policy. Right. So they're saying out loud to their officers, stop doing this. 
right? I don't yep. want you to do this, right? And so these types of cases, first of all, should be coming uh, to my office uh, to begin with, but because uh, we're working in collaboration. You understand politics. You've been around it a long time. You talk about the divide, uh, but you also, you know, you held a major news conference about 2% of traffic stops that yield this and when 98% don't. Is it about a message to the community that this is a step and how big of a step is this from a policy perspective? And did you think about the politics before you made the announcement? Yeah, I absolutely knew that this would engender strong uh, feelings and conversations really on both sides. I mean, we've been flooded with uh, uh, texts and emails from uh, two very different perspectives. Some who um, are saying this is so um, heartwarming and heartfelt that they never felt like something like this would ever happen or someone would actually start talking about this out loud and starting this conversation. And of course, I've gotten uh, numerous emails for me to uh, immediately resign um, and saying that uh, it's shameful that you're the county attorney because you're not enforcing uh, the laws that the legislature has duly uh, enacted, right? So I knew that uh, going into this, but leadership is many times about making hard, hard decisions. And so what I've been and I guess what I'm telling, I'm the face of all of this, even though I've got collaborators and supporters uh, in law enforcement, is that I'm saying that we've got to take a different path, that, you know, the path that we were on was maybe to go around the mountain. Um, But I'm convinced that if we take that path, uh, there's danger ahead. Uh, Instead, that I'm saying that we need to actually climb the mountain, and we need to come back down the other side to get to where we need to get to, to have a better version of justice and public safety. I believe that politicians do things right. They can manage the conversation, seek ways to get reelected, uh, but leaders will always do uh, the right thing. And the way that I look at this is that, you know, I've been in office now for, for more than a decade, right? Yep. And Quite frankly, I want to be able to do right by my community, to be able to look at myself in the mirror and to know that I am doing things that enhance our quality of justice for everybody in our community. And a big part of me speaking up, standing up and saying this out loud and trying to figure out a way to bring people together like police and community is that someone needs to stand up and say these things. Nobody does in our society. If I had a a dime for every time somebody whispered something in my ear, but couldn't say it out loud. Yeah. You're a very, very rich man. (laughs) And so what we need to do is we need to have courage. We need to stand up for the things that need to change. We need to uh, delve deep into these hard, hard conversations and bring people along like uh, I have done here in Ramsey County to bring our community uh, together. I know that there are detractors of this, right? But there's also a lot of people that see the the vision and the value of bringing together law enforcement and community. That's what we need to change. We continue down this path of distrust and all of that. So, John, as we kind of wrap this up, um, one of the things that your office is responsible for, or, or, you know, the, the entire criminal justice system is the sense that when there are serious crimes, it it seems as though either, um, you know, violent criminals are not being held, uh, you know, without bail or they're being bailed out uh, and a judge is releasing them earlier. 
I know that's not directly related to this, but in the, you know, I think everybody kind of looks at the entire environment we're in right now about crime and criminal justice. And so you talk about traffic stops and there's a big announcement, but, but I think there's a lot of questions about where we're headed overall with violent criminals, with um, repeat offenders on gun crimes. Um, is there any sense that um, there, there needs to be not just rehabilitation in the community, not just second chances, but more accountability um, because uh, people are getting out or they seem to be committing crimes more frequently? Absolutely. And a big part of the, the, the solution is also incapacitation, which involves jail and prison, right? Yep. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to focus um, police and prosecutor resources on those types of offenses. But we have to also keep in mind this past year and the past maybe two years, actually, with the, the pandemic is uh, a misnomer. Um, and this is not just here in the state of Minnesota, but all over the country. You know, we've been experiencing higher rates of uh, crime and repetitive type of behavior, but we also have to keep it in context that we are in the midst of a pandemic uh, that creates a whole bunch of other social uh, conditions um, where I think a lot of that is being driven by that. But also, too, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what actually happens in the justice system and that there's a belief that somehow that based upon what happens there, that that public safety is actually delivered. You know, a lot of the repeat offenders that we have in my community, as well as uh, in Hennepin County, um, it's interesting because if you start delving into why some of these people were released, um, yeah. why they were released they posted cash bail of like $75,000 and $40,000 in the wake of George Floyd, an organization- Or called, somebody did it on their behalf. Right, in the wake of George Floyd, an organization called the Minnesota Freedom Fund, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, utilized cash bail because they raised $36 million. Right. And so I think it also exposes uh, the, the, the ineffectiveness of our cash bill system, that in and of itself needs to be reformed, that somehow right. you have the dough, you can get out. And of course, the Freedom Fund did this because they wanted to expose uh, this really inequitable and ineffective system. And so we need to build, uh, make improvements in that area. But that takes the legislature to do something about it, but they can- Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink- what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Continue to fail in that. Got it. Well, John Choi, thanks for joining me on Sunday Brew. We'll talk down the line and uh, best of luck and enjoy your fall. Hey, thanks so much, boys. Take care. Sounds good. When we come back, a conversation with new Republican leader, Jeremy Miller. He's recently been elected Senate leader for Republicans. He'll likely be the next majority leader when the Senate convenes. Here on Sunday Brew on News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Sunday Brew. I'm Blois Olson. For Cup 2 today, we are joined by Senator Jeremy Miller. He was elected this week by his colleagues to be the new Republican leader. When the whole Senate convenes, he'll be likely elected majority leader. Senator Miller, thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning, Blois. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great honor to be here. Well, um, you know, you've been Senate president for a while. You've been in the Senate uh, a couple terms now. Uh, where, what is it that kind of drove you to want to lead your caucus and, and be the most visible Republican in the state right now? Well, it is a little different than uh, what I normally do. I'm more of a behind the scenes guy uh, trying to build bridges and uh, create relationships to get good things done for the people of the state of Minnesota. Um, there is a tremendous amount of talent in the Senate Republican caucus. So uh, this uh, scrap recycler from Winona is not the only one that was qualified for the job, um, but I'm honored that the that my uh, colleagues uh, selected me to be the next majority leader. And what what I hope to do, Blois, is uh, not only uh, unite our caucus, but really work together with colleagues on both sides of the aisle in the House and the Senate to really get good things done for the people of Minnesota. Um, that's what I've been working on for uh, my 11 years in the Senate going on 12. And that's what I hope to accomplish as the Senate majority leader. You will serve alongside in your district, uh, Democrat Gene Pulowski. Obviously you've probably had to work together on some projects uh, for Southeastern Minnesota. Are there things that that relationship uh, has taught you or that you hope to bring to kind of the statewide perspective? Representative Gene Pulowski is, is a good friend and has been a mentor of mine along with uh, a few other members of the legislature. Uh, we've worked together on many issues here locally. Uh, the Winona community is gonna be very well represented uh, in the legislature with uh, the new majority leader and one of the longest uh, serving house members in Representative Pulowski. But yes, his mentorship and his friendship uh, has certainly helped me uh, become the legislator I am. You talk about working together, but obviously uh, just the tone and tenor of the country, the tone and tenor of the state. Um, 
the headlines are often driven by partisanship and divide, uh, even on things like a pandemic. Where are some common themes or common issues that you think you could step forward and, and kind of even call the governor and say, here's something we need to work together on. And, uh, you know, he used to represent the first district, so he knows Winona well. So the extreme divisiveness in politics is my biggest frustration at the Capitol. Uh, it seems to get worse every year. And Blois, it really doesn't have to be that way. Um, there's areas of disagreement. There's always going to be areas of disagreement in politics, just like everything else. After all, uh, we live in a democracy. Um, but working through those disagreements doesn't have to be disrespectful. Uh, it can be done in a honest and respectful manner. That's what I hope to accomplish as the new Senate Majority Leader. Uh, starting off, I think the first thing we need to do is uh, find a solution on the eligibility requirements for the frontline worker pay bonuses. My understanding is uh, the working group is very close to an agreement. I hope that working group can reach agreement as quickly as possible. We can go into a special session and get that money out to those frontline workers uh, as quickly as possible. Additionally, bonding is definitely an area uh, that we can work together on and find a solution. That'll be one of the main issues uh, going into the 2022 legislative session. And another area, Blois, that I hope we can work together is finding a solution to the increasing crime rates in the state. Um, this is an issue that we're hearing from people all across the state of Minnesota. They have serious concerns about crime rates increasing in Minnesota. And I feel that we need to work together and find a way to uh, lower those crime rates, give law enforcement the support they need to hold unlawful uh, individuals accountable for their actions. And it doesn't have to be a divisive issue. It can be an issue that we can work together on. And I hope that is an area for uh, the sake of the people in Minnesota that we can work together on. Guest this morning is Jeremy Miller. He's the new Republican leader in the Minnesota Senate. And uh, as we're talking here on Sunday Brew, and he brought up COVID relief and kind of working across the aisle. Uh, two last questions here, Senator. Have you talked to the governor yet? And, uh, and, and then do you think there's any chance that the COVID uh, relief for workers pool of money uh, grows from $250 million to a higher number? Um, I have not talked to the governor yet, but uh, his office did reach out and we have a call scheduled. Uh, Speaker Hortman was one of the first uh, people to reach out to congratulate me and I have a good friendship and relationship with uh, Speaker Hortman. So I um, am looking forward to working together with her. As far as the $250 million, if there is an appetite to grow that, it's too early to say. Um, but I think at this point in time, we need to focus on that $250 million, which has already been appropriated in a bipartisan manner with strong support in the House and the Senate, Democrats and Republicans. Uh, so that's where the focus needs to be right now. Sounds good. Because uh, people are just getting to know you and it's Sunday morning. Uh, how do you spend your Sunday mornings in Winona? Uh, well, our Sunday mornings uh, start out usually uh, by going to church with my wife and my three boys. And uh, this Sunday, it's going to include uh, watching the Minnesota Vikings. I'm a huge uh, football fan, both uh, Vikings 
and Minnesota Golden Gophers, as well as the Winona State Warriors. Uh, so uh, weekends are filled with football. My uh, youngest or my oldest son, a fourth grader, just started uh, youth tackle football and I'm helping coach his team and my other two boys are uh, playing soccer. So this weekend we'll have a football game and a soccer tournament in addition to everything else that's going on. All right. So what's your prediction on the Vikings record this year, Senator? Um, I believe the Vikings are going to go 10 and 7. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. This year, ten All and right. six, ten and seven. No, I, I think it's ten and seven. I think there are seventeen it, games this year. Seventeen weeks, but sixteen games with the bye. So you, I'll just we'll put They're it. They're going to win ten games this year. They're going to win ten games. They're going to win ten games this year. Sounds great, Senator Miller. Thanks for joining us on Sunday Brew. Thank you so much for having me. When we come back, the first coffee clatch with Tori Venut of Axios and Ricardo Lopez of the Reformer. I'm Blois Olson on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. Welcome back. It's the last part of more Sunday Brew here on News Talk 830 WCCO. I'm Blois Olson. Thanks for tuning in this week. You can follow me at Blois Olson on Twitter, or you can sign up for any of uh, the newsletters at fluence-newsletters.com. And uh, this last part, I think, is going to be the most fun part of Sunday Brew, and that's it's, we're going to call it the clatch. A little coffee clatch here on a Sunday morning. Joining me now, Ricardo Lopez from The Reformer and Tori Venut from Axios, Minnesota. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks, boys. No problem. So let's start with the kind of raw politics of the week. Republicans chose Jeremy Miller. Uh, he was just on. He's been kind of behind the scenes. He's younger. Uh, he's from southern Minnesota. When we talk about kind of Democrats and Republicans battling over the northeastern Minnesota. Ricardo, any early impressions of Jeremy Miller or any insight into kind of the, the battle within the caucus that he won? Well, you know, I think Jeremy Miller was seen as a, as a kind of front runner for, for the position, you know, kind of as soon as Gazelka was making it clear who's going to be running for governor. Um, I think what's interesting about Jeremy Miller is that he is, you know, was formerly co-chair of the Purple Caucus in the Senate or in, in the legislature, you know, mix of B yep. DFL, GOP legislators. Um, who really wanted to be able to work and advance legislation that had both DFL and GOP support. So he's not necessarily representative of sort of this base of, of Republicans who are really into, um, you know, conflict and really fighting back against Democrats. Um, and I think it's going to represent a pretty fresh start for relationships with the governor, which which had been really 
really strained um, between Gazelka, uh, you know, former Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka, and the governor, especially over the, the firing of his commissioners over ideological differences. Tori, uh, you've watched uh, Gazelka, you watched his launch this week. Any kind of big contrast you see between his style and Jeremy Miller or, you know, kind of the new Republican face in Minnesota? You know, I think we'll see. I mean, Miller is, I think Ricardo just mentioned, you know, he's a, a pretty young guy. Um, if you look back at Gazelka's time as leader, you know, despite big ideological differences, he did develop a quite strong working relationship with House Speaker Melissa Hortman as well. Um, and Miller says that he has, you know, a good relationship uh, with her so far, the two had actually talked. She was one of his first kind of congratulations texts, he said. And I think it's to be seen and we'll see pretty quickly with a potential special session coming up, you know, how fast they can build up that negotiation uh, rapport and, and relationship and what it means for deal making in the legislature uh, come next year when we still have a divided legislature. The first big story of the next of next week or tomorrow is going to be who DFLers pick. Ricardo, you've been watching this race closely. We had people jump in, jump out of the race to be the DFL leader in the Senate. What's your sense of kind of where what what are the issues amongst members and and how do you kind of size up that race right now? Yeah, so it's going to be, I mean, it's, it's really hard to tell who right now has the support to be the next minority leader in, in, in the Senate DFL caucus. I mean, there as of now, there are two declared candidates, Senator Melissa Fr- uh, Franzen from Medina and Senator Nick Franz from, from North Mankato. Um, there's also chatter of potentially a dark horse candidate who hasn't declared, but I know people are, are, are looking to a potential um, uh, potential uh, candidate in Senator Kari Dietzik from uh, Northeast Minneapolis, kind of seen as a workhorse in, in the Senate, has a, has a pretty strong reputation. Um, but as I was talking with folks, uh, you know, the knock against Senator Melissa Franzen is that she was the first senator out of the gate, uh, gate to criticize uh, Senator Susan Kent's handling of a sexual harassment complaint um, that our outlet, um, you know, broke a couple, yep. you know, a few weeks ago. And so that was seen as, as kind of disloyal to the caucus because, you know, a lot of the members are going to want a leader who puts the caucus first. And so that, that wasn't seen as, as necessarily a good thing. Um, and also she resigned her leadership position over the handling of that because she felt like she'd been cut out. And Senator Nick Friends, the knock against him is that some of the more progressive members might not be willing to support um, his candidacy because he's definitely a bit more of a moderate. So, um, you know, with that, so many with with so many different types of factions in the caucus, it's going to be hard to get consensus. And, and so that's why uh, Senator Dietzig is seen as a potential unifier. And boys, just jumping in here to yeah. kind of zoom out on um, why this is such an important time for both caucuses to be going through leadership shifts. I mean, we're going into the midterms here. Yeah. Uh, not so long. The election may seem like far away, but it's really not. And we're in the middle of a redistricting process. Of course, that'll probably end up being lines being drawn by the courts. But, you know, these new leaders need to jump right in. They need to be able to be raising money for the caucus. Right. That's something that Gazalka was yeah. fairly good at. Um and recruiting candidates, uh, getting ready to defend their candidates, especially on the Republican side in these suburban districts um, in in elections that were very decided by very narrow margins last time. And so um, it's a pretty big deal that both caucuses in the Senate with such a narrow margin and divide there are are changing leaders at this time. No, I totally agree, Tori. I mean, I think that is the fascinating thing is that leaders 
do come and go, but they usually don't leave right before a massive election. Because Minnesota's tradition is and history is that this first election, the you know, the first election after a census kind of sets the majority for the next 10 years, especially in the Minnesota Senate for the last 20 years. So uh, so we will watch that closely. Tori, you guys had some polling numbers at Axios Twin Cities this week. Um, some of them were political. Some of them were about kind of Minnesota personalities and yeah. friendships. What did the political ones say first? Uh, the political one was reflecting one of the biggest debates right now, which is, of course, masks in schools and how people are feeling about back to schools. Uh, you know, most schools are now back in session. And our poll was a national poll that actually also had some state polling, including on Minnesota. Um, and we found that Minnesotans are, a majority of Minnesotans are worried that this back to school season is going to result in a, another surge of COVID cases, or, or at the very least, you know, the current rise, uh, elevated case count not going down. Um, and our poll also captured the divide over masks. So, you know, a majority of Minnesota parents who we polled uh, do support masks in schools. Another 9% or so uh, support them for folks who are unvaccinated in schools. But about 38% of those we polled opposed masks in schools. And that was actually higher than some of the more conservative states that have like banned mask mandates or have higher case counts right now. So that was pretty interesting. And I think it just, you know, the big picture here is it captures how um, this is a really uh, anxiety driven intense time as we're heading back to school, right? Everybody's so yep. excited to get kids back into the classroom, uh, you know, be done hopefully for now with distance learning, but there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of political tension and a lot of, um, a lot of parents are concerned about how this is going to go and what it's going to mean for their kids and themselves, <laughs> right? If, if right. there are classroom disruptions. Ricardo, it's schools isn't the only part of kind of the divide. MinPost had a poll out this week that showed the gap between greater Minnesota and the metro on key issues is even wider. And then on Friday, uh, gubernatorial candidate Scott Jensen came out with pretty aggressive video about civil disobedience. He suggests that, you know, we have to reject uh, vaccine passports, which, by the way, haven't even been offered, you know, or or passed or suggested by anybody. Where do you see kind of the politicization of the pandemic uh, as it kind of shapes up what we're looking ahead at the next few months? Yeah. So, I mean, I think we have to remember that right now what's happening on the Republican side is they're all running, you know, for the endorsement of, of Republican delegates. And, and those are sort of the most fervent activists in the party. And so, a lot of the positions that, that some of these candidates will stake out, they'll, they'll be trying to appeal to them because they want that nomination. And, and a few of them might not be, in, you know, biting by, by the endorsement. So they'll go to the primary. Um, but I think, you know, what their statements reflect is the sentiment of, of sort of a smaller group of people, right? Because we have such broad rates of vaccination across Minnesota, but it's of course geographical. Um, yep. We see declining, you know, vaccination rates in, in very, you know, and a lot more Republican uh, counties and districts in the state. So, um, I mean, I think we'll see this happening for the next several months. The politi politicization of vaccines and the COVID response, you know, is, I think is here to stay, but we'll see what the message shifts to uh, once we are in the general election and the, and the choice is really narrow here. It's, I found it kind of notable that Gazelka has said once or twice, a couple of times leading up to his run, and then this week again, that 
um, you know, he thinks public safety and crime are going to be bigger issues yep. come actual November of next year versus COVID. And, you know, he did say at his, he, he opposes, you know, like he says, vaccine mandates, but um, he was pretty clear in his announcement and in his little scrum with reporters and saying, you know, I've been vaccinated, you know, I encourage people to get vaccinated, um, uh, which is a little bit different, you know, uh, rhetoric than you hear from uh, Jensen, for example. Yep. Uh, so. For sure. Um, so Tori, last uh, item for you is this, in the same poll, you polled why Minnesotans uh, don't invite non-Minnesotans who move here over for dinner. And since you're both non-native Minnesotans, <laughs> you're always welcome here for dinner as a native Thank Minnesotan. Um, I think, you know, I, I think it's important that we all get together, uh, you know, and, and we can do it outside. Uh, I'm vaccinated. We can do it in safe manner as soon as you want. But, but Tori, this is a real thing that I hear from businesses. I hear from people who move here. So what does the poll say about kind of this chilly Minnesota chill that they put on non-natives? Right. Minnesota nice. Uh, so, not so. Yeah, so not so. Yeah. So this is actually an informal survey we did of with our Axios Twin Cities newsletter readers. And, you know, we found that seven in 10 people who responded said that, um, it's hard to make friends in the Twin Cities. And, you know, people who were from Minnesota reported having more friends who are from Minnesota than people who are not from Minnesota who are transplants. Right. I can say personally, my husband is from Minnesota. He's oh. from Lewis Park. Uh, he was away for a long time before we came back in 2017. But almost all of my close friends since moving here are fellow transplants. And I remarked in our newsletter that, you know, in four years, almost four years, I can count on one hand the number of native Minnesotans who have invited me into their home. And we host, so it's not like we're not. <laughs> uh, so it, it is kind of funny. And I don't know, maybe you can tell us boys, like what what is driving this? People just have enough friends, don't like outsiders. It's not as much of a, a revolving door city like DC or New York or other places might be. Um, but I think we kind of captured something in the zeitgeist here because we got a lot of feedback from people, their own stories of making friends or struggling to make friends. You know, I just think that people who are from Minnesota come back like your husband, right? And mm. then they kind of create their bubble. When I came back, I created a totally different bubble when I moved back here than my high school bubble or something like that. And then now I would say that it's it's my community or my neighborhood. And if somebody's not from here, then it's there. But and, and professionally, um, but, but uh, you know, I, it's a real thing. Ricardo, I find this fascinating because you were here, you left, mm -hmm. and then you chose to come back. So there must be something about Minnesota that, you know, yeah, you I mean, wanted it, to come back know, for. I was going to say, what's interesting is that, you know, I, I, I interned here at the Pioneer Press in 2010 for summer and just like fell in love with the place, you know, loved so many things about uh, the Twin Cities. And so that's why I ended up coming, coming back in 2014. My advantage was that I had an in in that one of my best friends was originally from Minnesota and went to college in McAllister. Got so it. when I moved back, you know, he, he introduced me to a bunch of people. Um, but my, you know, and, and for a while, my circle of friends were transplants. But I think my, my advice to people who aren't from here, who you were like really, you know, astounded at some of the things, you know, some of the social behaviors of, yep. of Minnesotans is you kind of have to latch on. Right. It's just like you know, the, it, it'll, it'll be <laughs> uncomfortable to put yourself out there in, in, in such a way. Uh, but it takes some time. And, 
you know, there are things that read very cold and standoffish about Minnesotans, but, you know, they're all about sort of respecting your space and giving you, uh, you know, sort of privacy, which is kind of strange, but, um, uh, yeah. you know, I, I will say that people like myself end up staying for, for a number of reasons. And I remember a survey done by one of the um, organizations in, in town that found that, you know, professionals, you know, people cycle in here for two, three years for jobs with any of the big companies here and end up leaving for these reasons. But they end up staying if they, if they meet somebody, get married, have kids. Yeah, they stay. Right. And so it's that quality of life that, that people like. And that's, you know, that's one of the big reasons I'm here. Well, well I, I will say, say this. Yeah. I, Go ahead. No, I would say this as we wrap here. I've been accused of not being very Minnesotan because I'm a Scandinavian who says what I think now and then. And so just know that I, you know, we all have to bridge the fine line. Ricardo Lopez, Tori Venu, where can people find you, Tori, on, on social and Ricardo on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me at Tori Vanute on Twitter and you can sign up for our newsletter at axios.com slash twin uh, dash cities. Uh, you'll find it there. And we're a free daily newsletter covering uh, or Monday through Friday, covering all the news in the Twin Cities. Ricardo, where and, can people find you? Uh, people can follow me on Twitter. It's at RL Journo, J-O-U-R-N-O. Um, and you can read the reformer at minnesotareformer.com and sign up for our newsletter there, the Daily Reformer and uh, follow our podcast too. Sounds great. Hey guys, thanks for joining me on the first Sunday brew. For listeners, thank you. Shoot me a note, shoot me a tweet. Let me know what you think about the first uh, episode here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Keeping up with the flood of news every single day can be quite stressful. There is climate change happening. There's the pandemic, labor movements, Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend. Hi, I am Gideon Resnick, host of Crooked Media's What A Day. Each week, Travel Anderson, Priyanka Arabindi, Josie Duffy, Rice, and I are going to break down the biggest news stories of the day in a way that hopefully doesn't always make you want to cry. New episodes of What A Day drop every weekday at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen on Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's something unique about pheasant season in South Dakota. It's the plains and the people, the action and relaxing. It's black coffee in the morning and colder drinks when the day's done. South Dakota hunts are doing what you love most with the people you love best. Out here in the finest pheasant habitat on planet Earth. Enter for a chance to win a South Dakota hunt for you and your crew. Plus free shields gear at HuntTheGreatestSD.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.